0: You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Yeah, go ahead and give him a shout of praise. Go ahead. And... It's good to be a part of the church family. Amen. I mean, I know that, like, our church is growing, and it's not always easy to know everybody. And when I mean growing, like, uh, we had three babies born this week. Woo! Like, within, like, 48 hours of each other. Um, and uh, there's there's one uh, I, I saw, uh, Sam Wood, this morning. And I'm like, y-, and the lone wolf remains. Like, she's, and she's like, why not me? You know what I mean? Um, so, man, it's just awesome to see uh Uh, How God grows the church in all kinds of ways Um, So we're glad that you're here Uh, My name's Matt and I get the pleasure of being one of the pastors here at vintage and if today's your first sunday with us Welcome. We hope that you'll find a home here. Welcome to part two of our christmas series uh, called christmas at vintage Next weekend. We will conclude this series and it's going to be a little bit different schedule maybe than you're used to We're going to take what we normally do on sunday mornings and put it on friday night and so next Friday night at 5.30 and 7.30, we'll have two identical experiences, the same thing we typically offer on Sunday mornings. We're just going to move it to Friday night. Uh, and the reason why is because we every year about this time, we kind of take a Sunday off just to kind of love on our volunteers. Just, it takes over 100 people to make every weekend happen here at Vintage. And so as a thank you, and we realize that, like, Probably next Saturday, you're, you're going to be busy. There's a lot going on and that kind of stuff. So we've moved our services to Friday night, 530 and 730. And I want you to know, we're going to be baptizing in both services. So if that's your next step, if God has been calling you to do that, go on our website, go through the app, and go ahead and sign up. We are hoping to baptize dozens of people next Friday night and just have one heck of an awesome Friday Christmas celebration. Amen, church? Amen. Uh, So plan to worship with us next Friday. Then next Sunday morning, we're having church. We're just not having it in here. We have already recorded an online experience where Sunday morning you can get up in your reindeer slippers and your Santa Claus pajamas, get you a cup of coffee. And just sit there with your family and worship together as a family in your living room. Or I know there's some life groups that are going to get together, hang out that day. Um, But there'll be some worship on that. And I've already recorded a cool video teaching. I hope that it will minister to your heart. Uh, So make sure you plan it. And we'll be back here on uh, Sunday, January 31st. And I'll be kicking off an awesome new series that I can't wait to jump into. And so it's just an awesome time to be around our church. Amen? But last week as we started this series, we made a decision. To slow down and to see through, and I said uh, that in first service, and people were like, "Like you could just tell when I said I made a decision to slow down." I even asked, "How hard has it been to slow down this week?" Hard, amen. Somebody, come on, wow, amen. Somebody, thank you. All right, there we go. Uh, It's hard to slow down, and 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 again, I know we we talked last week. We're not talking about like you can't do you can't get rid of the busyness, right? We're busy. Everybody's busy. And it's not that you're gonna be able to stop the busyness, but busy is an issue of, of schedule. Hurried is a position of spirit. And we talked about, yeah, we can't control the busy. We're gonna be busy, but we don't, we don't have to be in a hurry because we all, oh, it seems like our calendar's so full. And the problem is, when you're in a hurry, you're never present. How often are we in that? You're in one meeting and you're thinking about the meeting that you have to go to when that meeting's over, and then the meeting after that when that meeting's over, and then all the other things you gotta do. And you just, you're just not present, and nobody gets the best of you. They just kind of get the rest of you, and it's just, it's just not a good thing. So we're going to slow down, and then we're going to see through. We're going to slow down and see through. we to see through all the distractions, all the things that clutter up this time of year and drown out the true meaning of this season that we're going to have to be like the shepherds. We looked at that story of, that Luke records of the announcement of Jesus' birth, when the angels come, and glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to men, all these kind of things, and unto you today, a, a Savior is born in the town of Bethlehem. And the shepherds said, let us go and see this thing that has come to pass. Like they, did, they had to make the conscious decision to go, to leave where they were, and go and see it. And I'm inviting you to, to go and see Like you probably can't see the true meaning of this season maybe from where you are. Because where you are may be a place of frustration or bitterness or anger or hurried or something that's causing you not to be able to see the true beauty of this season. And I know there are so many people now. Like there's the the Christmas freaks, stroke of midnight on December 31st. Your tree was up. Pumpkins and Santa Claus, you just swap them out. But then there's people that just kind of hate it. And I understand it because it's gotten so craziest, and it's gotten so commercialized and it's gotten so cluttered up that you can't really see its true meaning and the true beauty of what God has has done in the form of sending Jesus in the world. It gets drowned out, amen? It just gets pushed to the side. And so we're going to have to make the conscious decision to see through all that and find it. And I invited you to turn your eyes to this iconic symbol of a Christmas tree. And I hope that after last week that you, you never see a Christmas tree the same again. Because this this is maybe the most iconic, the most prevalent symbol of Christmas. How many of you have Christmas trees in your house? Everybody have Christmas like in first service, like 17 people didn't raise their hand. I thought, y'all Mormon or something? I don't understand. Why are y'all here? <laughs> like well, this is like we we almost all have one of these in our house. And and it's just become this kind of traditional thing that we just throw up and we don't really see the meaning. But I talked about how Man, a tree is actually a great reminder of the beauty of what's happening here. Because in a tree, you can see why he came and what he did, all in one symbol. In a tree, you can see why he came. Because it was from the fruit of a tree that caused sin to enter the world that made it necessary for Jesus to enter this world. We went back to Genesis where Adam and Eve had this perfect, beautiful, intimate relationship with God. and Everything was great, and everything was as God intended to. But God gave them one rule. Do not eat of this one specific the tree, the tree of the knowledge of, the, of good and evil. That, from that one tree, do not eat its fruit. And they allowed themselves to be deceived. And the moment they made that decision and ate f- the fruit from that first tree, sin entered the world, and everything was broken. And that's why Jesus had to come. But also in a tree, not only do you see why he came, you see what he did. Because it was on a tree where he bore our sins. And by his stripes we have been healed. Amen. That Jesus hung on a tree in order to deal with the ramifications of the actions of Adam and Eve in the garden from that first tree. And so when you see a tree, you see why he came and what he did. And I hope that throughout the season, as you look at that tree, like that's been a reminder for you this week that Jesus came because sin entered the world and it broke things, but Jesus came to make things right. And today, I just want us to turn our eyes to a tree again. Because you know, when you really look at it, it's just a big old dead plant. Come on. I mean, the reality is that it, we, we take a plant, we kill it, and we put it in our living room. And this tree, and, and some of you, and we, I intentionally, the, like the guys asked me, do you want it decorated and all that kind of stuff? No, because I wanted you to see. I mean, and I think they're even, they're even pretty when, when they're not decorated, right? I mean, there's something, there's a beauty to them as we, and even, are you like me, when you see this type of tree, you just, ought, you call it a Christmas tree? Like, it can be a new in New woods, what kind of tree is that? Christmas. And I don't know, I mean, like, there's some very specific term, but there's something beauty, there's some beauty about this. there's something beautiful about this tree, but the reality is, the more that you look at it, it's just a big dead plant. And actually, if you walked around this tree, you can already see that it is dying. That I noticed this morning right here, it's already beginning to brown and, and, and it's, it's already beginning to kind of wither and fall apart. And no matter how pretty you dress it up, it's dead. I mean, you can come in and, and you can do whatever it is you do. You can string it with lights. Colored light people in the room? No, no white light people in the room? Both in the room, chasing and playing music in the room. I don't know. It's all kind. Of, okay, here's the. You can you can you can put all the lights on it, and you can pretty up, and you can go to the top, and you can put like star people, bow people, angel people. See, everybody. I'm not too sure about you bow people. Y'all weird. Um, but I mean, and you can and you and you can get those sentimental ornaments of the box that you've had, baby's first Christmas and the things that they made when they were in kindergarten that are crumbling and falling apart. And you, you can, no, no matter how much you decorate it, the reality is, it's dead. And you can spend hours stringing lights and putting on ornaments, but the reality is, no matter how beautiful you make it, when you strip all that away, it's still dead. You know why? It's been separated from its source. The reality is, it's been separated from its source. The source that gave it life. The source that it needed to actually sustain and last and have real life. It has been separated from that source. You follow me? Say amen. Amen. See, the moment... Somebody took the tool of a saw and separated that trunk from the source and its roots where it needed to have nutrients and to to get all the things that it needed to stay alive. The moment it was separated from the source, for all intents and purposes, it was dead. And you can decorate it and it can still have signs of life. And from a distance, it looks like this beautiful, put-together, well-maintained Awesome thing, but underneath all those layers is still just a dead plant. Do you, see the, do you see the things that we have in common with the Christmas tree? See, some of us, we spend our whole lives putting on decoration. We go through our entire lives adding ornament after ornament, external thing after external thing trying to give the appearance of life to those we encounter but the reality is when you strip it all away we're dead because the reality is the moment sin entered the world and the moment sin entered our lives we too were separated from the source see Someone took the tool of a saw to separate the tree from its source, but the enemy uses the tool of sin to separate us from our true source of life. See what it says? Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear so we, we, like the Christmas tree, Like we can, we can get all decorated up. We can put on all the external things that we can possibly think of. We can buy into all the things that world, the world and culture has to offer to make us look all pretty and shiny. And from the outside, people can look at us and think we have it all together, think everything is great and think we're doing well. But since we have been separated from our one and only true source of life, it's all just decoration. And I just want to say to you this Christmas, don't be deceived by the decorations. Don't be deceived by the decorations. See, the direct decorations are deceiving. Like you can walk in and see the tree in its stand, with water in its base, twinkling with lights, full of ornaments. And you can be deceived and start to believe that it's really alive when actually it's dead because see there's no there's no external modification that will give it the internal fulfillment that it desperately desires come on you with me church there's there's no amount of ornaments or no or no, no matter how beautiful and pretty it is it's still you can't erase the reality that it's dead because it's still separated from its source and see, that's, what, that's the thing about sin. That's the thing about the enemy that we have. All he can offer is external decoration. And some of us have bought into that. And we've allowed it to get the best of us. And we have walked around. and, and, and from the, if, if people didn't know any better, those, the people we work with, the people that we're going to see next week, For that one or two times a year that we see them in our family, although we're broken and we're depressed and we're hurting and we know it, we can put on such a great, fabulous front, can't we? And everybody that sees us can see all the pretty lights and think we have it together when really inside we're dying. And the only way that you can change that is through Jesus. But you got to stop letting yourself be deceived by the decorations. Because, see, the enemy didn't stop in the garden. He continues to come at us and offer us things that we think will make us feel better. He did it to Jesus. Do you remember? Go to to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. See, we see the enemy try his tactics on Jesus, try to offer him some ornaments to decorate his life, but Jesus knew better. Jesus saw through it. He realized that they were just external things, but the same kind of approach, the same tactics that, that the enemy comes at Jesus with, he still comes at us with. Check it out. Matthew chapter four, pick up verse one. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Write down the word appetite. You see, the first one, the first things that the enemy is going to pray on is your appetite. I don't think it's by accident that the first thing that the enemy comes at Jesus with is the temptation to turn stones into bread. Did you notice that? Jesus had just spent 40 days fasting. Some of y'all miss breakfast and your neighbor can hear your stomach growling. And the first thing that he comes to is to appeal to Jesus' appetite. Jesus, it's been 40 days and 40 nights since you had anything. Look, see these stones? Because you're Jesus and I know you're capable, take these stones and turn them to a nice big loaf of that honey wheat they serve it out back. It's good. Like, you, you deserve it. He prays on that appetite that is very, very real and very, very prevalent. But Jesus saw through it. See, the end, we all have appetites. They're justified, they're real. To pretend as if they're not would be a big mistake on our part. Come on. We all have needs that we desperately want to be fulfilled. And can I just go and say, those, there's nothing wrong with those needs. We all have we, have, we have a need for love. We have a need for gratification. We have a need for, we, we, like those needs are very, very real. Those appetites that are in us are very real. But Jesus knew something that we don't always know, that fulfilling a legitimate need in a disobedient way will never work. Filling a legitimately need in a disobedient way will always leave you wanting more. That's why, you know, when, when you have that, uh, that appetite for greed, that appetite for lust, those appetites, when, when, when you know, when you feel like that need is there and that need is very real and you can't ignore it and you get the opportunity to satisfy that need in an inappropriate way, the enemy's always trying to lure you with something that will try to fulfill a need that you legitimately have. But if you do it in a disobedient way, it's, it's not going to last. Like, we all have those desires. We all have those needs. We all have those wants. But finding them in a way that we know God says is not appropriate or God says is off limits will always make things worse instead of better. And you know what? I think this is a time of year when now more than ever, we We can see what's missing in our lives. Come on, I mean, you go through Christmas, and some of y'all you, you know you're going you're gonna to go sit with, with family and, and be around friends, and as you watch all these things happen, what what they have and what you don't is so glaring in your face, isn't it? You watch parents, you watch some families being able to do Santa Claus for their kids and provide them with all the all the things that they want and, and, and complete their entire wish list and you're sitting back and you're so broke you don't know what to do and you're just hurting and you're in pain and, and, and so the, the enemy's trying to f- just nick at that appetite because you desperately want it. So many people in the room, this is the time of year where like your loneliness is more real than it ever is. As you watch people go to families, you watch people hang out with grandma and this is the first year that grandma won't be around you watch a couple laughing and having a good time shopping at the mall never mind that ain't fun (laughs) something fun and this is the first year after the divorce and that hole is so deep in your heart and aches so desperately and the enemy knows it and sees it. And what he wants to do is give you an option. And say, hey, you're hungry. You want that. You need that. You can fill it with this. But it's just a decoration. It's just a decoration. Because see, the enemy can only offer immediate gratification. Only God can offer lasting fulfillment. Don't be deceived by the decoration. Then he comes at him. Verse 5. So then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up from their hands so th- Lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Write down the word attention. Attention. See, you got to get down and really see what the enemy's trying to get Jesus to do. Constantly he's trying to get Jesus to use his authority and his power in a selfish way to bring attention to himself. I mean, that would have been a cool little trick. Hey, we're up here on this highest point. Throw yourself off because you know you're God, and angels are just gonna swoop down and pick you up. Almost like here, I have this imagery of Jesus jumping, and just before he hits the ground, ooh, angels sweep him up and take him. Jesus is riding up on the angels like this. And everybody's applauding and thinking, Hey, Jesus, he's, he's awesome. The enemy kind of lures that tour, that, that, that need for attention. Or maybe you could write down in parentheses applause. That, hey, you're God, throw yourself off. Show these people all the cool tricks you can do. Get their attention. Get their applause. Get their approval. Because some of us are convinced that, like, that's what we need to feel alive. And there's some of us that have been living for the approval of others for so long, we don't know how to live any different. We've spent our whole lives trying to please and appease somebody. Your whole life you wanted to make mama proud. And everything you've ever done is so that she would smile and say, good job. And so you took that into your marriage. And now... Everything you do is just to get them to approve of you and then took it into your job. And so like it's a never-ending circle and you're living for the approval and the applause of other people and you so desperately need them to say good job, good job, good job. And you're just driven by that need to be at the center of attention and get the applause and approval of others so that you'll feel valuable and wanted and needed. But you know what? It's just decoration. It'll never be enough. see, if you live for their compliments, you'll die from their criticism. If you live for their compliments, you'll die from their criticism. In the moment, you don't feel like you've lived up. You feel like you have to jump through another hoop and another hoop and another hoop and another hoop. And another hoop. See, he was trying to appeal to that sense, that need, that desire for attention that we, that we all have. But until you allow yourself and your identity to be, to be rooted in your heavenly father, you're going to be chasing something you'll never catch. Because it's just decoration. There's one more thing that the enemy tries to lure Jesus with. Look at verse 8, Matthew chapter 4. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Write down the word authority. He says, "Jesus, See, all this stuff, all this world, everything that you see, I'll give you complete authority. I'll give you control. And for some of us, that's the star on top of the tree. That, you know what, I could, my life would be great. My life could be whole. My life could be fulfilled if I could just get everything under control. You ever said to yourself, if I was the one in charge, this world would be a lot better place. But you ain't even charge your house. <laughs> <laughs> Authority. See, we, we think that, you know what, if, if, if we were the ones in control. See, the, the enemy's always tried to convince you that you are your best God. See, the enemy doesn't want to be your God because he know he can't be. He wants you to be your God because that's what he thought. He thought he could be his own God. And he wants you to, get, to be your own God, for you to be in control of your life. You, you don't need God's word. You don't need God's people. You be your supreme authority. If it feel good, feels good to you, you do it. If it's what you want to do, you do it. You need to make you happy. It's about you. But, once again, it's merely a decoration. Because we've all tried it, haven't we? We've all tried to be in charge. And you know what I've realized? I'm not very good when I'm in charge. My life is missing so much when I'm trying to be my own God. Because see... Everything he offers is just decoration. All that temptation that you're constantly battling, all that has to offer you is some external change. Because you see, as long as you stay disconnected, as long as you're separated from the source of life, it doesn't matter. Just like this tree, as long as it stays separated from the source of life, it, it doesn't matter how much you could put on it. And some of us, you know what, we think, oh, no, I just haven't found the right ornament yet. Or maybe I just haven't got enough ornaments on it. Y'all, you, you, you have that conversation when you decorate the tree, right? You get that point, you are be like, all right, when we hit the point where we put one more decoration, it's going to look stupid. Like it's just too cluttered. Anybody else had that? So, like, you put you put ornament on and then you go back. And then there's those years where you let your kids help you decorate the tree and every ornament is, like, right here. It's just a big cluster, and you have, as they go put ornaments on, you have to go get them and kind of start spreading them out. Or you have those years when your kids are little, and you can put ornaments still about right here, because from here down is over. And see, some of us are thinking, "No, man, you're not right," because like it's just we just need we haven't found the right or, we don't have enough ornaments yet. Like like I, I've got a good start. I've got the right job, I got the right husband, I got the right kids, I got the right car, I got the right house. Like like if I just keep adding ornaments, eventually I will feel full. Can I show you what Paul said about living in that mentality? Go to Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 3 verse 4 says if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh I have more. In other words, if any of y'all think you got enough ornaments to make it feel good, let me tell you, I, I decorated it to the nines. And then he walks through his list of ornaments. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, flawless. In other words, Paul said, I, I lived this life where I was as decorated as one can be decorated. If it was a fancy ornament, it was hanging in my life. But what I So, so whatever you think you've accomplished, whatever think you, you think you've done that will give you the thing you're looking for, like I did it all but look what he says in verse 7 but whatever were gains to me i now consider loss for the sake of christ what's more i consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake i've lost all things but i consider them garbage that i may gain christ and be found in him Having, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul, he says, look, y'all, like I've done it. Like my life was as decorated as it could be. But I realized that all those decorations were just nothing. Because the whole time, I was separated from the source. And it doesn't matter how many ornaments you try to hang in your life. The reality is, if you're still separated from the source, you're dying. You will never have life. You will never be fulfilled. You will never be full. The biggest difference, though, between us and the tree is there's no saving this guy. He's done. He's separated, and no matter how, no matter what we do, death is imminent. See, once, once this tree is separated, there's, there's, there's no fixing it. But that's not the case with us. See, sin separated you from the source. But when God sent Jesus and he died on a cross and paid your debt, he made it possible for you to be restored. Come on, church. This tree is going to have to stay this way. You don't have to. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 says, once you were alienated from God, separated, separated from your source, once you were cut off and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, verse 22, but now, but now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Would you bow your heads close your eyes with me? See, this tree... Is separated from the source and there's no going back. But that's, that doesn't have to be the case with you. Because of Jesus, because of what he's done, because of what he came to do, you can be restored. You were separated. You can be reconnected. You can be redeemed. God can fix what sin broke. You don't have to. So if you're separated and you stay separated, it's not because you don't have any other options, you have a choice. And if today you'll choose Jesus and allow Him to redeem and restore and come into your life and fix what sin has broken, you can be fully alive. See, Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Don't be deceived by the decorations. There's not a relationship a job, an annual salary, a wardrobe of clothes, not a single external thing can give you the fulfillment that you need. As long as you stay separated from the source, you're dead. But today you can be reconnected to it by putting your hope and trust in Jesus Christ and accepting the sacrifice he's made. If you've never done that and you want to do that, I don't need to lead you in a specific prayer. You, the Bible says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. If you're making that decision today, I want to pray for you, though. Would you put your hand up just so I can pray for you? Just throw your hand up high in the air and leave it. I want to pray for you. Make sure I can see it. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can put it down. Or maybe you're here and you know you're saved, but every now and then the enemy <laughs> the enemy just gets you, right? You get deceived by the decorations. You start trying to find life and find hope and find joy and something else. You start buying into those lies, and you start letting those appetites be kind of get the best of you. You start living for that applause and that attention, and, and you start to kind of be in control. And you just say, Matt, pray for me, man, because I'm, I'm battling the temptation to buy into the decoration. And I just need strength. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? I want to pray for you as well. Amen. 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 Thank you, you can put them down. Father, today we worship you because you alone are worthy of worship. And God, we are so grateful that we don't have to stay separated. That you offer us more. That God, we have the opportunity because of Christmas, because of the reality that God became a man, paid our debt, made things right, took our punishment, that we can be reconnected to a relationship with you. And God, I thank you for the hands that went up today people making that decision to no longer stay separated from the source of real true life and god i pray that you would give them strength to trust you and to walk with you and to follow you and to seek you like never before and may we rally around them as they've made this decision god and for all of us who at times the glitter and the sparkle of the decoration becomes a little more enticing than it should father i pray that you would give us strength And god as we worship you now i pray that your spirit would just keep ministering to our spirits and our hearts in jesus name Amen. Stand. let's worship together, church. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.